All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown. I am your host, Misha Aravena. And today we have a very, very exciting episode. One of the uh, episodes I've probably most been excited to talk about. It's going to be very spirited, high energy, maybe even some cursing out there. Uh, <laughs> and to our non-Canadian viewers, uh, we are going to be talking specifically about the Canadian federal election we have coming up at the end of September. So we're gonna be giving our thoughts, our predictions, how we feel, uh, where, where do we see the future of Canada? What, what, is, what was bad before, what needs help, and all of those wonderful things. But before we begin, let me introduce my panel. I have Mr. Andrew Stupart. We are gonna get down and dirty and fists are gonna to fly tonight, boys. Let me tell you, there's nothing that's gonna be unsaid tonight. I'm going to have a black eye by the end of this episode. Pretty much, Alex man. Pretty here. much. <laughs> <laughs> and I have Mr. Alex Pope. Gentlemen, start your engines. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Here we go. All right. So the very first question uh, I want to ask you guys is obviously this election, the calling this election kind of came out of nowhere. Usually we know when election season is coming up. But uh, our prime minister right now, um, Trudeau, decided to announce an election out of nowhere. And it kind of surprised everyone. Uh, and in my opinion, a lot of people are feeling negatively or maybe a bit indifferent. But there's a lot of maybe differences of opinions when it comes to why he did this and why he is doing this. So, uh, Alex, I'm going to throw it over to you first and ask you, why do you think Trudeau uh, called this election, what do you think he's trying to gain? What do you think he's trying to do? And how are you and other people, you know, feeling about him calling an election during a pandemic? I forget where I heard this. It was in the news. Somebody said it. Uh, they called it Justin Trudeau's vanity election. And I think that just <laughs> summed it up so beautifully. I mean, you know, he's sitting pretty, he's, pre he's prime minister and everything like that. But he's like, you know what? I just want to have my majority back. And all, all this is about is just because Justin Trudeau wants his majority. So he can push through whatever bills he wants. Um, you know, bills like C-10, um, you know, which was like a, anybody that doesn't know, Bill C-10 uh, attempts to take the, the government's outdated cultural regulatory mechanism, which is called the CRTC. Um, and awkwardly apply it to the internet. <clears throat> uh, this basically gives the government the to power. Uh, this gives the government the power to meddle in the content that you see online. So anywhere from controlling the tweets, like if you tweet something out that just goes against what the government, um, you know, thinks is okay, uh, it could get slapped with you know some sort of a warning or something like that. Um, also, in terms of watching YouTube, things like that, um, you know, you can be just watching your feed and then all of a sudden you've got CBC specials yeah. showing up, you know, that are just puff pieces for Justin Trudeau. Um, so, so like, so basically, um, you know, this is this whole election, especially because of the fact that it was in uh, the middle of a pandemic. You've got Afghanistan where shit is hitting the fan right now. People just aren't in the mood for an election. And I, and I, 
and it looks like Justin Trudeau may have stepped on a rake and uh, and that might end up hurting him. Honestly, yeah. Opo, I couldn't even agree more with everything you're saying. Like, I'm basically just going to echo what you said because you're right in that it was such an inopportune, it was such a, such terrible timing. You have, you know, troops pu- pulling out of Afghanistan, a lot of political stuff going on with, with how Afghanistan is being handled by the, by the NATO uh, group of nations, the States, Canada, et cetera. You have the pandemic, which is far from over. We're actually entering the fourth wave currently. So we're not out of the woods there yet. We've had wildfires out West and, and we have, you know, down South, our friends down South are, are dealing with a tornado. So there's just so much going on right now um, politically, both in the international community, as well as at home in Canada, that this is the worst time for, for him to do this. And you're exactly correct in that he's trying to, you know, pump himself up and get this majority so he can push things through, but it's actually, um, come back to kick him in the nuts because at this point, the polls are suggesting that there's only a slim chance of him having a, a majority. And in fact, we might actually be calling the next prime minister, uh, Mr. The Honorable uh, Aaron O'Toole. So we'll see what happens. And to be honest, I'm going to echo your sentiments exactly. When it was announced, my first thought was, you know, every government wants to be a majority here in Canada. We understand that because it's the most power, all the bills you pass go through. But I found it ironic, like, okay, so this year and a half, stay away from people, don't don't go into large crowds, don't gather indoors, but come out and poll uh, and vote, line up, you know, and wait for your turn to vote. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of contradictory. Mm-hmm. But uh, so with everything going on in the pandemic, and I see it in the community, I don't know about you guys, I don't see as many signs on lawns as I have in previous elections. I just think people are asking themselves, what is he doing? And I agree. I think this is going to backfire because whether the liberals or the conservatives get in, it's not going to be a majority, right? It's going to be a minority for for both of them. So let's say Trudeau wins again. You're in the same position you are now. And in fact, if you hadn't called this election, I think you had about maybe two more years before another election had to uh, be called. So you might lose two more years in power. So it could bite him. But, uh, you know, and I don't mind, uh, you know, if he does get a minority, uh, the conservatives and the NDP are going to be able to push him and say, no, this bill, no, okay, that bill, yes. So to me, if he gets his minority, it won't be the worst thing in the world because the conservatives and the NDP can still push him in different directions and he doesn't have total control which is what I want in the end. Yeah, but, but you know uh, what? I, I think, and, and, and 100%, and, that, and that's some, one of the, the kind of annoying things about Canadian politics is because you have that leftist party that actually is pretty strong. Like if, you, if you're looking at, you know, 40% of the popular vote for the NDP, like that's, um, sorry, I didn't mean 40%. Sorry, 40 seats, my, my mistake, 40 seats, which is still a significant chunk um, for, for, a, for a socialist type of party. Um, th- that, that's the kind of annoying thing. So you're going you're gonna to have the leader of the opposition, which potentially could be the conservatives again. Then you have the liberals who potentially could have their, their you know, be in power again. And then you have the NDP. So they all kind of have to work together. And it's super annoying because everything goes so slowly. And, this, and I remember this happened in like 
in like, I think 2010 or 20, um, 2011 when Jack Layton was in and he was so passionate. And they actually, I remember that, that him and, the, and some of the other leaders actually had to form a coalition. Do you guys remember the coalition from about 10 years ago? I think ago? so. And it's just, everything is so slow. Like I've never, if you want to fall asleep, watch question period. You know what I mean? When there's a minority <laughs> government, because holy shit, like it is just everything that, like, yeah, just everything is so slow. And it's just a waste of taxpayers time, not only to, to call an election, because it don't forget, it costs us money as Canadians to hold an election. It was, it's a snap election. So there's not a lot of like, um, time to, for the other parties to prepare or, get, um, or to campaign or whatever. And then, the, and then the third thing is if we do end up with this minority again, I, I'm just going to keep like drilling it into our heads. Like democracy is so slow, especially with, with uh, you know, the three, the, the three major party systems that we have here. I just think you should have finished off the last two years, but that's just me. But Alpo, I'm going to go to you next. And basically, so how are you feeling right now with this election coming up you know what do you want to see what do you hope for uh those kinds of things so trying to have an unbiased opinion here just looking at the facts i just don't see how justin trudeau has earned a majority um you've got you know well he hasn't ha have you heard what happened in bolton yeah people were rioting like like they are in the <laughs> states we're learning from now the americans now now that that happens, you know, like that's not necessarily an indicator of any, of anything. In fact, his father had an incident where his train was being pelted with rocks and uh, and famously he gave the protesters the finger. Um, I kind of yes, like his yes, dad. Yes. I don't know why. Why is this such a weird thing? But I actually dad had major something about his dad that I like. And I don't see any of those qualities in Justin Trudeau at all. Because he's the um, son of Fidel Castro, didn't you know? <laughs> but yeah, so so he has not earned a majority. I mean, you've got the We Charity uh, scandal. You've got the SNC-Lavalin scandal. Both of them were really ugly. And uh, one, and with the We Charity, uh, Bill Mor Morneau uh, ended up resigning as a yeah. result of it. So, yeah. you know, what does that tell you? Um, you've got a $400 billion deficit, the largest yeah. deficit we've seen since World War II. Yep. And no plans, no plans to return to normal spending. Um, and then, of course, there's the Bill C-10, which I mentioned earlier. Um, there's a lot of ugly stuff here. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, his, his platform is generally focused around buying votes. Um, you know, you see a lot of media buyouts uh, or bailouts, I mean, um, you know, paying off uh, media corporations at his discretion, um, you know, it, basically buying favorable coverage. Um, so we're just going to see more of that stuff to come. I just oh. don't I, like, even if you're a liberal supporter, I just don't see how you would be super gung ho about, about this government. Yeah. To be honest with you, I have lots of liberal friends and I include myself in this. We, we don't want Trudeau back in power. We just basically like the liberals a little bit more than the conservatives so it's like one of our friends wrote you know you take the lesser evil but i have to say if i was completely honest in this election i would draw a blank vote or i would or i would vote ndp but didn't you already that's, vote that's, didn't you already throw away your vote by voting uh liberal misha 
No, no, I didn't throw away my vote. It's to get your conservative asses out of there. No, but but if I was voting truly with with my heart, I would vote uh, NDP on this one. You know, I like their platform. I like their uh, social ag agenda and what they're doing with social programs. Why don't uh, you vote for them? Because we live our democracy. It, it, you know, this whole strategic voting. It's such a sad You're thing. But you are just feel, like my dad. You're I feel just compelled like my dad. My to first, do that. My first time going to the ballot box, my dad, my dad told me, he's like, listen, you know, we want to vote NDP, but we can't. We have to vote liberal in order to keep the conservatives out. That's yes, like exactly what voting. I did. That's the whole point of strategic voting. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, I'm going to jump in. So sorry, Alex, I feel like I cut you go off. Ahead. No, sorry no, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to jump in because I'm, I'm kind of, so, okay, so first of all, I'm going to respond to Alex. Um, yeah, we're seeing we're going to see a lot of the same if we if we vote Justin Trudeau in again, um, not only the the raging deficit that you mentioned, um, and and all the scandals, which, you know, I think something O'Toole really wants to do is actually legitimately like bring in a commission for like anti corruption um practices you know making sure that we we keep a tight eye on these politicians to make things make sure things like those scandals don't happen again so i know o'toole is pretty serious about that stuff because i sure as hell was was really turned off when i when i started reading up actually it was prior to us doing the liberal uh, sorry the trudeau podcast i was reading up on these things and i was just like this kind of shit flies in canada no 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 so we need First of all, yeah, I agree with you about the scandals, and I think we need like a, um, a, a an independent body to come in or some sort of committee to come in and like take a look at what's happening under a microscope here. Um, so yeah, I don't want more of the same of that, and I also don't want you know I, I doubt that Aaron O'Toole um, dressed up in blackface when he was a when when he was a you know in in, er, in earlier part of his career like that's a pretty. I know it's one of those. You never know, are, Steve Carter. You never know. And you know what? I know everybody's got those people. pictures. I'd have everybody's to. Through, I'd have to dirt. like. I have to. I'd have to creep a tool online to make sure I'm not. I'm keeping myself honest here. But no. Um, yeah, just like I know it's one of those things like where obviously someone dug that up on him, like someone from the conservatives or whoever dug that up in order to like to um, make him look bad. But it's still it's pretty it's pretty embarrassing that we've had you know our highest level of office. Um, the prime minister's office, the leader, ha you know, used to dress up in blackface. That's a little yeah. bit disappointing. Um, yeah. So it just shows definitely... that, you know, he's, the, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, he that's it, believe, man. He's all talking no walk. He doesn't believe no any of this stuff. He's, no, he's all talking no walk. And he's just kind of, and he's just kind of a disappointment to the Canadian people because he's broken their trust. So Misha, the second um, part of my conversation that I wanted to get out here is, Def, yeah, definitely not voting for the liberals myself. I just, I've had enough of, of his nonsense. But I want to say that in a perfect world, if we had a surplus and everything was rosy and we had money to burn, which won't happen for a long time, but let's say that's the scenario. My heart and soul would be behind Jagmeet Singh. I was, I used to be a very proud um supporter of jack layton and i was very like me too oh i, I was jack very layton. supportive of the ndp like like you yeah. wouldn't believe and that was about 10 years ago so i was a little bit younger um but now but now like looking to alex's point looking at that like three four five whatever billion dollars 
that were in the red, it's it just makes you kind of think like maybe now is not the time. And in fact, um, I want to thank one of our listeners, one of our fans for piping in on Facebook today. I'll keep them anonymous for their res- out of respect. But we had a very like passionate kind of uh, communication in, in, in the messages on Facebook. And um, it, it was, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, it was very spirited. Very spirited conversation. <laughs> but I totally lost my track. Oh yeah. So I was talking, I was talking to her about this. I was talking to her about like, if, you know, now is not the time. Like I would love free dental care. I would love, you know, for every Canadian's drug plan to be covered so they can get their prescription medications. I would love that. But now is not the time for a social leaning party. Now is the time for a conservative party because the conservatives, um, I feel like in this circumstance, are in a position where they actually would want to follow through with balancing the budget in the next 10 years. Um, I'll just give my thoughts a little bit on that. I, I want to just tell uh, the quickest story about Jack Layton. Um, I remember I was driving actually, Andrew, to student theater where yeah, we did yeah. drama when we were yeah. in high school. Yeah. And it came on the radio that Jack Layton had passed away. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I, I stopped in the student theater parking lot and I didn't go into the building and I just sat in my car for 10 minutes and I cried. And that was the first politician that ever uh, kind of impacted me that strongly. You know, I had read about other great leaders, but I, I felt like I knew him without really knew, uh, knowing him. And I thought when he passed away, the NDP got set back 10 years. But that's another story. Uh, in terms of the deficit, I think we can all agree that's a big thing that we need to get behind. We need to, you know, balance the budget. Yes. Here's my problem with the conservatives way of doing it. Why I always usually vote liberal and NDP is because conservatism, they always just care about the economy and money and they don't invest in people. And what the conservatives will do is that they will pay this deficit by taking away from funding social programs. A great program that the Liberals and NDP have been fighting for for years is universal childcare. Now in Saskatchewan, it's becoming a reality, right? And it looks like it may come into Ontario where they will subsidize your childcare. So you will either pay nothing for your childcare or very, very little. The average Canadian spends about $1,200, $1,300 a month on childcare. Alex, you're about to have a little one, right? You know, Andrew, you might be having a little one soon. Wouldn't it be great when it's time to go to daycare that you don't have to pay for your child's daycare or very, very little? That won't happen under the conservatives. You know that they will take the money from that and don't put it back into the economy. And that's just one example of a social program. And that's why I always go liberal and NDP because like I said, they invest in people. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna counter that actually. Oops, give me a second. Sorry, man. Um, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna challenge you a little bit on that. Um, so the the conservatives are planning on scrapping uh, a 30 billion dollar childcare plan. Um, hmm. That plan, uh, as it stands right now, is to bring the the cost of childcare down to ten dollars a day per child. Um, and yeah, basically what they're going to do is transform the existing childcare expense deduction into a refundable tax credit. 
covering up to 75% of the cost of childcare. Um, so it's so this idea that they do nothing for for social programs and things like that. I don't I don't see that. I see that there are plans in place, and in a lot of in a lot of places, it just makes more sense. Um, the way that they're going about it is just more sensible. Um, for example, their climate change plan. Um, is a proposal for a personal low carbon savings account. So rather than doing like a carbon tax, it's like when you pump gas into your car, um, you pay a little bit more and that money goes towards some sort of a credit, like if you were going to buy a bicycle or a transit yeah, pass yeah. or something like that, right? So rather than just like, just taxing people more and people aren't going to change their behaviors just because they're being taxed more. Um, I'm still going to drive my car and that type of thing. It's also offering like some incentives in ways that don't just leech money out of the economy. If that makes sense. <laughs> I see, I see uh, just before you chime in there, Stu part, I see what you're saying, Alex, it, it comes to one of those things where I now say, okay, sounds good. Show me. And I know you can True. say that with True. like every party, right? Trudeau has said a lot of great things and then nothing really happened. But I feel like that's politics in general, you know, say what the people want. You don't really have to do it though, right? I mean, you should, of course. <laughs> but so, I just- So what would be the harm of a, of a minority conservative government? And, you know, again, I think a majority government is something that you have to earn. And if they had that minority government, they could show that these are plans that they're actually working to put into place yeah. and then try for that majority maybe next time. Um, I don't know. I, I, think, I think I've seen a different, um, a different angle that the conservatives are trying here. I think they've realized that things like, um, you know, being anti-abortion, uh, anti-climate uh, climate change, um, climate change denial, um, things like that are not working for them. Um, so, so there's certain issues that I feel that they've capitulated and been like, okay, oh, yeah. listen, yeah. this, this is thing. These are things that matter to Canadians and we are going to push forward issues that matter to Canadians. I, I'm seeing a big change here, especially oh, this election. For sure. No, Alex, I have to agree with you there. Um, Again, I'll restate the fact that that 10, 11 years ago, I was a very loyal supporter of the NDP. And as you and I have discussed previously, as you age a little bit more, maybe get into your 30s and 40s, you, you, you start to get a little bit more conservative. That's just how a lot of people are. Um, but that said, you have to remember in like the grand scheme of the international community, our conservative party, especially as of late, um, is actually very progressive compared to like other countries. And our conservatives, especially are how they are now with the with O'Toole and some of the you know things that you mentioned there, Alex. Some of his policies or potential policies is actually very close to the Democrats in the U.S. So, and the Democrats are considered the more left or I guess center leaning party like kind of be yeah basically a center party um in in the u.s so so the conservatives here are pretty soft and like you have to remember even going back like 
Admittedly, in the last, last election, I did vote conservative, but I felt kind of guilty because the leader at the time was Andrew Scheer. And that guy, mm -hmm. pardon my French, is kind of a piece of shit. Like he's, yeah. you're putting your thumbs down, Misha, and I couldn't agree with you more. I voted conservative for the party last night, sorry, last time, and not for the leader. And the reason I say this, because Andrew Scheer, he was anti-gay rights, anti-gay marriage. Um, you could see that he was just like all around, like just a giant homophobe, like overall. A weasel too. He's a, he's a sneaky weasel. And you could just <laughs> tell like he just... He's very set in his ways and he's very socially conservative where I think Aaron O'Toole is a little bit more progressive. He actually said he would stand in the, in the pride parade um, with the condition that the police can as well in, in uniform. So, and, you know, and I, and I feel like they do actually care about climate change. Like, but, you know, a lot of the times in the past, there's been a lot of like, as you said, Alex denial, but like, I actually read through his plan today. I looked at his plan from all angles and like, yeah, there's healthcare stuff in there, like mental health, he's really pushing. But then on top of that, when it comes to the, you know, to the climate stuff, he, he's, yeah, he's acknowledging it, which is, which is great. So I think, I think my, my point that will probably echo what kind of what Alex was getting at earlier is just honestly, the conservatives have changed. I'm not saying they're perfect. There are still a lot of like any party, they have like a lot of flaws, at least things that I don't agree with. But overall, I think they've become more towards the center and a little bit softer. You know what? I've always kind of said this. If you want to learn how to make money and run a business, talk to a conservative. If you want to fight for social justice issues and social programs, talk to a liberal or, an, or NDP. <laughs> Don't talk to a liberal. Talk to an NDP. <laughs> <laughs> or there you go. Um, but I, I do want to say... Um, so for, from my point of view, like I said, you know, conservatives invest in the economy and the liberals and NDP invest more in people. But Alex, you wrote something on the mm -hmm. Facebook wall that I thought was very good when you said it was something I'm paraphrasing, but vote for vote with your heart. What was it exactly? No, no don't it? vote with your heart. Oh, don't <laughs> with your heart. Okay. Love, love with your heart and use your head for everything else. Okay. <laughs> Okay, then I'm totally going to disagree with your quote then. <laughs> no, what I'm going to say, so um, in Trudeau's platform, he announced that they were going to uh, help out the hospitality and entertainment uh, industry that has been hit so, so hard with COVID. Now, for the people uh, out there, I work in entertainment, right? Uh, and in 2019, the entertainment and hospitality industry put $26 billion dollars into this economy, right? And that's why Trudeau is making it a priority, right? The conservatives are not, right? So what I ask you, Alex, right? How could I vote for a party that doesn't support the arts? It'd be like if you voted for a party that said, okay, if you fix air conditioners, you install air conditioners, or even if you look at an air conditioner, fuck you and fuck your business. Or Andrew going, okay, all the marketing companies, we're not going to support you at all. Go, go fuck yourselves. We hate you. How could you vote for those people? So when like, I okay, sorry, vote. are you asking me or? Well, okay, I guess I'll ask <laughs> you guys. But what, so yeah. my, what my heart and my head tells me, you know, I, I'm looking after my interests as well, right? Go ahead, Alex. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I, I think that you definitely, an artist in Canada, you've got the deck stacked, stacked, the deck stacked against you. No mm -hmm. question. Um, the problem with how the liberals handle 
um, the arts in Canada, I feel that that quote unquote supporting the arts is a guise for um, having control over the media. Mm, right? mm. The, the liberals, there's no question, they have a certain amount of control over the media that the conservatives do not. Um, you know, the, the only real conservative newspaper is like Toronto Sun News, um, you know, and you can, you know. I would argue that there's a couple more, like Global yeah, Mail, maybe, National maybe. Post. Not the Toronto Star. I think, I think that's debatable. Um, but, uh, but yeah, basically the CBC is, you know, without a question, an extension of the Liberal Party. It's, it's basically running, running the campaign for them. Um, so, you know, there's like, they're definitely going to be against that. Um, I think they're like, there's a lot of um, problems with the government, um, you know, controlling the arts, right? Because whenever you inject money into something, you control it in a way. Um, so, you know, when it comes to just like free expression, free speech, things like that, um, I think there are much greater implications when the government is funding these things. Um, and it's like, I, I just, I don't think that it's a good thing to get a government handout to make your movie or to make your television show. I don't, I know that like being next door to the Americans, um, they're, in a lot of cases, there's just no other way to do it, um, you know, to get like tax credits and things like that. Um, you know, so obviously I think there are like some programs that sort of do take more of a hands-off approach, uh, but things like, you know, the CRTC and the CBC and things like that, bolstering their power and giving them more influence over the media, um, it's problematic. And I, and I know a couple of, um, Canadian YouTubers that that spoke out against Bill C-10, they actually standed to benefit from Bill C-10. It's possible that they would have actually gotten more traffic as a result of that. But sure. they they saw the greater implications of, you know, free speech and the government having more control over, you know, the discussions that are happening online. Um, and I think that's a, a bigger problem at the end of the day. But you know, to each their own, I guess. No, it does like the question about public uh, broadcasting, though, because I've always, I've always been a believer in public broadcasting. In fact, I remember my, my final internship at, at, uh, I shouldn't say Ryerson anymore, sorry, University X. Um, <laughs> my final intern, no, I'm not joking. I feel, I feel uncomfortable saying the word Ryerson because it's so hyped up in the media right Racist now. But anyway, what's that? Racist you. Racist university. My previous, no, but seriously though, my last um, uh, internship with the radio and TV program at said university, I was, I had an internship at CBC and it was a fantastic experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, I got to meet Peter Mansbridge. I got to meet Diana Swain, um, you know, both astounding journalists, just, you know, in, in terms of my books. And so I had a fantastic experience and I actually led to my first real job in the broadcast industry. So obviously, obviously I'm biased um, because not only do I really enjoy Canadian television, but I've also worked at a Canadian broadcaster. So, uh, and a yeah. public one at that. So I, you know, 
I have a soft spot for the, for the CBC and I do believe it does serve a purpose, but I guess to your point, Alex, like it is a little bit dangerous um, because yeah, like for, you know, for sure, like the liberals can use it like as a, as an, as a tool um, to make the, the playing field a little bit more unfair compared to the other parties. Obviously they have the influence. Um, but I guess, do you guys, re- I guess what's interesting, do you guys remember when Harper tried to basically like not shut it down, but he was like so against the CBC. So there's the, the conservatives have had a history um, of really not liking the CBC. And I wonder if, is that like a right wing thing or is like, I, I just, what do you guys think about, how do you guys feel about um, public broadcasting in general? I mean, Alex, you already started getting into it, but I want to open that up a little bit more. First of all, how do you feel about, public broadcasting such as PBS or CBC. And then on top of that, um, depending on like who gets in, what do you think the future of the CBC will be down the road? Um, If the conservatives get in, I don't think you're gonna see a huge change with the CBC. Um, You know, any proposed bailouts and things like that probably aren't going to happen. you know, like extra money isn't going to go through, but I, I don't think anything like defunding the CBC is going to happen. Um, I didn't see anything like that in their platform. It is the number one news outlet in Canada, mm. if I'm not mistaken. I, I think, I think that'd be a, a, a bad call, but I, to be honest with you, Andrew, that's not really my world or area of expertise. And I've never noticed it. It's not like watching Fox news where it's so evident. This is supported by the Republicans. (laughs) So I've actually never, I always just, Oh, this is like a news station and they delivered the news. Great. Um, But uh, I will change it to now to, to something else for me, how I feel in this election, no matter who wins, the conservatives get their minority or Trudeau gets his minority it's a lose-lose for me. Um, I've been disappointed with, with both parties. Like I said, I just picked the lesser of, of two evils. But I'll go to you first, Alex. Um, what, do you, what do you hope for this election? What do you think is going to happen? And the party that you're choosing, what do you want them to focus on? What do you want from this election? Well, anybody that listened to the Justin Trudeau podcast... <laughs> Uh, should be should already have an idea of how I feel. Um, I would I would I would just love to be able to utter the words former Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. That's, <laughs> that's my, that would be my dream come true. You may. Um, you may. <laughs> now let's let's say that that dream does come true. I'm not going to count my chickens before they they hatch. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's a few things that, that they mentioned in their platform that I'm like very interested in. One of them is rapid COVID testing. Uh, this is something from the very beginning of the pandemic. I kind of thought like that was an obvious thing. Soon we're just all going to be able to test ourselves at home before we go to work. And that's just going to, you know, uh, reduce the amount that, that the pandemic is, um, you yeah. know, re- reduce the amount of, uh, you know, transferring the disease to everybody else and that type of thing. Nothing has happened on that, zero. Um, and in the conservatives platform, that's, that's one thing that they plan on doing. 
Uh, the other thing is ramping up vaccine research and making Canada a, a competitive jurisdiction for pharmaceuticals. Hmm. Um, one of the things oh. that, was, that was a big deal, um, anyone listening from Ireland probably has no idea about this, but, but we, um, we were very late to the game getting vaccines. Um, yep. It was really sketchy. We had to get like a bunch of AstraZeneca vaccines and things like that. Um, Trudeau actually made a deal with the Chinese government. Uh, the, the Chinese government <laughs> promised us some vaccines. And of course, you know, big surprise that, that fell was, through. Yeah, and we were left, you know, who knows how much money that cost, um, but we were left with yeah. no vaccines. Um, so, so now that they're finally starting to uh, roll out, you know, we have the Americans to thank for that. Um, you know, it's very apparent that, that like the offshoring of pharmaceuticals to China or other countries is a really, is really bad, um, not just economically, but it's also really bad um, in terms of our own security and future pandemics and things like that. Like we need the ability to make our own vaccines and, and not have to rely on other countries that also need those vaccines. So investing more in our, in, in science. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, yeah. In a, innovation, science, yeah. Um, bringing, bringing some of that uh, industry back to Canada. It I love that Alex. It just my mind that we had no infrastructure or, or no uh, lab facilities available to make vaccines. <laughs> it, it blew me away. Oh, no, I, Alex, that, that's a really great point. I didn't even think about the COVID stuff as much, which maybe I should have in retrospect. But what I was thinking, what I, what I liked what you guys both said was science and innovation and research. And that's something I like. In fact, I think he's doing a lot to like um, make it, you know, incentivize investors to invest in tech startups because we want brilliant minds at work and we want to, to, you know, give opportunities to those companies and anything we can do, whether it's, it's a tax credit or, um, you know, giving an incentive to an investor. Like I want to see more tech companies um, thrive. I want to see more small businesses thrive. I want to see more research development, like, you know, um, efforts um, arise, especially when it comes to things like electrical car, electrical vehicles, or just like any sort of green technology um i think that can be done through tax incentives for sure mm -hmm. and uh, that was a big part of his platform or it is i should say a big part of his platform is kind of investing in those different things um because you can't underestimate the the power of investing in small business and as someone whose fiance is a fearless small business owner in a very competitive market in toronto um and i have to give her a huge shout out because she's had to go through so many um trials and tribulations during the pandemic um and then obviously we have the crosstown our you know rail transit going through she has competitors in the mall there's construction and she's powered through all that and i think what she needs now is you know a, a party like the conservatives who are going to back her either again either with tax credits or other incentives um for or just any sort of system that they that they can put in place um, to, to help these small businesses, whether it's nail salons, restaurants, um, hair salons, or, you know, a bookstore, it doesn't matter. Small businesses are the backbone of this country. 
And uh, that was actually going to bring, bring me to like the higher level point that I'm going to make is like, don't underestimate the, the power of tax cuts. I'm not saying, ta you know, cut taxes to the point where we have no social services. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is if you cut taxes here and there for certain things, what it does is it puts more money back in Canadians' pockets, which allows them to spend more, which in turn makes the economy thrive. And in turn, those small business owners profit and everyone wins because the economy is stimulated because people are spending because they're not being bogged down with taxes as much. Um, so I know that it seems a little bit backwards because people are saying, well, if you cut taxes, we're not going to have this, that, and the other. And yeah, there's, val there's validity to that. I have friends who are teachers. I have friends who work with children with autism. I have friends who are PSWs. So there's a lot of services that I don't want to see cut. At the same time, if we can find that balance, and I'm hoping that the conservatives can find some balance, like we can still have social programs and find ways to, you know, maybe cut taxes here or there for certain things. And again, you know, put money back in Canadians' pockets. What do you guys, do you guys agree, disagree? I, I want to go back to one point you said, Andrew. I just, I don't believe the conservatives when they won't cut from social programs. I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it. I don't think they're going to do it. But in terms of the small businesses, I'd, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, uh, Alex. What are they going to do for small businesses? Uh, Stoops, I guarantee you that if the conservatives have been in power during the pandemic, right, I don't think CC would have that nail salon anymore. I think it would have been gone. She wouldn't have gotten the CERB. I don't think she would have uh, been, or, or it would have been even tougher going because the, the conservatives, you know, they wanted to screen everyone for the, the, the CERB. And one of the- Why not? Why not? No, because it there would have taken- so many people. I know yeah. many, many people that did not need CERB, but they collected it anyway. No, absolutely. Some people did abuse it, but if you had screened everyone, that money would have taken so long to go out and there were- there was way more people that needed it that didn't it. And Trudeau has done some good things. And one of the best things he did was say to the conservatives, no, we know some people are gonna abuse the system, but a lot of Canadians really need this and they need the money now. CC wouldn't have gotten that money until maybe next week from now. It would have been and you know late. what, maybe there's validity. I'm not, I'm not discounting what you're saying because there's probably validity in the fact that if they did want to screen harder, there would have been more red tape, there would have been more bureaucracy and there would have been more time ultimately to get the aid out there. So you're very possible, it's very possible, I should say, sorry, that hypothetically in the past, if we went back in time and the conservatives were there, it could have happened. But I think moving forward, looking what they're going to do, um, they do have a loan program that they've pro proposed. They have proposed, um, again, incentives for certain types of businesses that are that are that are you know innovative or 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 you know working in a, on on green technology. And then on top of that, as I said, like they also have um, different in, in programs and 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 as well as just a, a general feeling about cut you know a general sort of platform I should say about cutting um, sorry tax incentives I should say. For for um for small businesses, so I think I think really the what I'm trying to say here is um by having the economy and businesses, especially small businesses, in the lens of a politician and as a major part of their platform, um you're actually going to be doing Canadians justice in the long run. I just want to jump in there, um, Canada Job Surge Plan. 
Um, that's what they're proposing. That does two things. Number one, it restores the million jobs that were lost during COVID. Um, their plan is to get those million jobs back in one year. And the other thing is a lot of, um, so number two is getting people back into the workplace. A lot of small businesses, their main struggle right now is not having enough staff. Um, I was true. just, I just went into a little, a little cottage resort just recently after a camping trip. And we just went in just to have a meal. And I've never seen this before, but like the, you know, the waitress came up to me and just said, listen, I don't know when your food's going to get here. We've only got one cook in the kitchen. Um, you know, we, you know, we're horribly understaffed. We can't like, we can't get our employees back. Yeah. Um, yeah. All collecting, you know, whatever they call it now. It used to be served. Now it's something else. CRB, um, I think. CRB. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is. CEWS or something. Um, yeah. Like, like that's a really big thing for employers right now. They just want to get back to normal, get their employees working again. Um, so as it stands right now, their plan is to pay up to 50% of the salary of new employees yes. for six months. Yes. Following phasing out of the, uh, the CEWS or yeah. CERB or whatever you call yeah. it. So like they're like the plan is to to help the small businesses by getting people back to work uh, and you get people back to work. People are making more money, yes. they spend more, better economy. So I, yeah, I don't know. I, I see a, a reasonable plan that that seems to make sense to me. And Alex, honestly, like I, I appreciate you like spitting that out on my behalf because I was kind of rambling there for a minute and you just very coherent. No. You never ramble. Never. Would I ever ramble? <laughs> Would I ever ramble whatsoever like I am right now? Yeah. No, seriously, though, I was kind of, you know, struggling to get the words out. But you you very succinctly said, like, what I was trying to say, it's not only the, the tax incentives, but it's also like getting people working again, because I think I have to agree. And I have to, again, echo because by getting people working again, it just benefits everybody because it's just the, you have to remember that, that the economy is reliant on itself so you need people spending in that in a store so the owner of that store can buy a car and then that car salesman gets commission and then you know what i mean so it's just it's it's everything's interconnected you know so one person's success can lead to other people's success in small business um and and just you know one other further point um you know you mentioned small business people you know struggling to have enough staff well that's exactly what my fiance is going through right now and i have to remember it's not just her it's not just the nail salon industry in toronto it's the hospitality industry in general um that's really struggling right now as you said just to get people you know working and like just basically fulfilling like the basic customer needs like you know my fiance's had to turn customers away because they're understaffed which is devastating wow. yeah no for sure so like it had total validity and i have to remember i always have to remind myself it's not just her and her business it's a lot of businesses um because like to your point you know it's reasonable to assume that if you're making just as much or more on government handouts than you are working why would you want to work no and that's exactly, I wanted to go to Alpo's point because what happened when the CERB came out, 
the conservatives wanted to give $900 a month, right? That's what they wanted to do. And it was the NDP that pushed the liberal and said, no, 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 people need $2,000 a month. That's what they need to get by. And then that's what ended up happening. So people, some people were getting more from the CERB than they would at the job they were at. So they called out bullshit and why would they go back? So it comes to the age old dilemma, minimum wage versus livable wage, right? Mm -hmm. I just feel like with conservatives in power, that minimum wage won't be going up. Again, the conservatives, they always benefits, uh, it always benefits the rich and the super elite, right? The rich get richer under the conservatives and the middle class and the poor always seem to struggle, right? But um, Alpo, I'd love to, I don't know if I was clear with what I was saying there exactly, but I'd love yeah. to hear your kind of thoughts on that a little bit. Um, so I, I don't think that that is something that only affects the rich. Um, you know, inflation is something that benefits the rich as opposed to the poor. Um, so, so when you're like bumping up minimum wage, you know, in order to pay your employees, you run a restaurant or something like that, you have to pay your employees more. So you have to charge a little bit more. Mm -hmm. it, it all like they're not sitting on a giant mattress made out of cash, you know, like, like the money has to come from somewhere. So you, you raise the minimum wage, you raise up the, the cost of living. I am not a rich person at all. I am unionized. None of, none of us are really. <laughs> <laughs> my um, income is locked in because of our, our collective agreement for, for many, many, many years. So whenever, um, you know, minimum wage goes up, my wage uh, relative to that sort of goes down because I have to, I have to pay, yeah. you know, more for the goods and services and your buying power goes down. Yeah, my buying power goes down. So yeah. when someone talks about, oh, we should have a $20 an hour minimum wage, it's like, well, shit, I don't make much more than that. What the hell did I go to school for? You know, like, it just, it's insanity to me. So like, I, I believe that there should be a minimum wage, because, you know, if that weren't, if it weren't the case, you know, left unchecked, um, I Everyone think- would get abused. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People would yeah. be abused like no other. There's no question. People are, you know, when people have the power to take advantage of other people, they will. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like sort of constantly promising a, a new minimum wage, a higher minimum wage is really, to me, that's just buying votes. And, and, it, and it hurts people that have earned the wages that they have. Their wages aren't going to go up um, just because the minimum wage went, went up. In a perfect society, if minimum wage went up, everyone's salary would go up a little bit, but I don't know how you would. Well, that's just a dream, do. Misha. That's just, that's a, dream just that a dream that will never happen. That's a utopia. That's if we're utopia. living in a or something. No, yeah. it's, it's... And the thing is, is like, because like, if you are a cashier at a McDonald's, um, the work that you're doing there is, is like really unskilled. You can walk in with basically no experience and they give you the job. Um, and I don't think that that entitles you to have you know, a two car garage and, yes. you know, uh, you know, many thousand dollars a month mortgage and stuff like that. Like you probably shouldn't be making a hundred grand a year, you know, like, you, you know, that is a job that's kind of a stepping stone into a career. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it's like to me, like there are some jobs that just don't, um, they just don't call for, you know, a high wage. Uh, there's just, there's very little skills involved. Um, anybody can do it. Uh, you know, yeah. it just, it doesn't make sense to me to pay someone like that as much or more than I'm making. It doesn't make any sense. No, Alex, I, I agree. But I will say those oh. people though, I, I, I sort of agree with you, Alex, but I will say you still have to help those people with social programs if you can, though. You can't leave them in, sure. the, in the dust. If they, maybe they haven't worked as hard or they didn't earn it, but you can't also leave them in the dust. So I, I sort of agree with you, but I wanted to add that point as well. Uh, Andrew, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no worries. I guess I just want to, first of all, I'm acknowledging both sides and I agree um, about competition because you want to be motivated to move beyond that McDonald's cashier position, whether that's up to a manager or a regional manager, or whatever McDonald's, maybe that's your, your thing you want, you know, whatever, or whether that's going back to school and becoming, you know, a business professional, getting your MBA or getting a technical skill like you have, Alex, and then being paid for a special technical skill that you've earned, uh, that you've learned, sorry, and then you've earned that wage. Um, so, so definitely there should be some incentive and motivation for people to move on from where they are and, and climb the ladder or progress in their careers and make more money. Um, but I guess, I guess, what, you know, the way I feel, generally speaking, is we, we, we always need that bit of a, a safety net. And remember how I, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Uh, in a perfect world, if we didn't have a huge deficit, bleeding money, I would back the NDP because I, I have, we have to recognize that if they had not, a chance of winning, I would if they had a, honestly, if they had a chance of winning and don't forget the NDP did form, uh, did become the leader of the opposition back in Layton's um, just before he passed. Yeah. Um, so it is possible. I mean, our country has skewed very left to the pat in the past. So it's, it, it is possible. Um, but uh, what I guess what I'm trying to say is like in a perfect world, I would support them. And I, cause I think we have to remember that like, not everyone is a white male who is able-bodied and has basic intelligence and has the money to go to school. Like people are born with disabilities. Like, should they have to live a shitty life just because they were born with a disability? No, there has to be funding for, again, like I'll give you an example. My cousin, um, you know, teaches or one-on-one, -on -one, like spends time one-on-one -on -one and like um, acts as a, as a, I guess, mentor or teacher for these, for these people with, with uh, autism, um, you can bet she's probably voting liberal or NDP um, because we need those safety nets. We need support for the either mentally or physically um, challenged community. Okay, we yeah. need to recognize that people are born, you know, born into poverty and or abusive homes or a single parent home, um, and so there's a or just being black or you know what I mean, or native, native Canadians, like, oh my God, how poorly they're treated here and how much, yeah. how much, how much drug and alcohol addiction just by the culture. And, but, you know, as a result of how they've been treated, that's embedded in their, in their, um, their way of life, which is really sad. Um, you know, so being a minority is what well. we need a safety net for anyone who's being given the shitty stick in life or just going through a rough time or needs EI because they were laid off from a position, even they were either competent at their job 
but they got laid off due to massive layoffs, right? So we need safety nets for all those people, okay? And that, and but we also need to balance that with still having a level of competition in society because competition, when it's friendly in the business setting, it can actually bring out high level of performance from people. So I think we need that balance in society. And I think that the, that currently the conservatives could bring that balance between here's your safety net. You know, we are, we are living in a social, social, you know, democracy here, but also here's your, you know, you know, we're going to preserve some free market aspects of it. That's why I like mixed markets because you have the free, the free market idea of some industries are, are, um, dictated by the invisible hand of the stock market, supply and demand. Some are a little bit more regulated, and then you still have a moderate amount of tax um, to to help the the people who need the help. So I believe in balance. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. No, that's a that's really well put. I appreciate um, that. Was I rambling too much there, or was I was I better? No, that that was amazing. Good. 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 Uh, Misha, I know this is your topic, but can we can we just sort of like go over just sort of like how the campaign has been going recently? That was like going to be my next question. How do you think it's going so far, and where do you think it's going to go? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in there. So so the Liberals have been running a, a pretty awful campaign. Uh, Trudeau called this election three weeks ago um, when his poll numbers were were quite high. So I think he. He saw it as an opportunity, yeah. um, but but straight out of the gate, there, it's been gaff after gaff after gaff. Um, so uh, first of all, Trudeau flip flopped on whether or not he would recognize the Taliban as the government of Afghanistan. Um, this is pretty shocking, since the the Taliban are definitely involved with 9/11. Um, they stone women to death on a frequent basis. Uh, in fact, they already have stoned to death uh, one of the female pilots uh, for the Afghan Air Force. Um, you know, this is a very this is a very violent group of people uh, that have not even come close to earning you know in international trust. And uh, um, yeah, there's there's just it's unbelievable that that there was any kind of flip flopping on that issue. Eventually, he did sort of retract it and say that, that we've got no plans to recognize them. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, on, during a campaign stop, um, you know, with, a, with, again, a $400 billion deficit, Trudeau <laughs> says the words, forgive me if I don't think about mo- monetary yes. policy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, and it's like, you know what? I forgive you, Trudeau, but you got to get the hell out of office if you're going to yeah, sit yeah, around yeah. not thinking about monetary policy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, one of his uh, MPs, Miriam Monsef, which is, uh, she's the MP from my hometown of Peterborough. Um, she, I don't know if it was a campaign stop or, or an advertisement she did or something like that, where she referred to the Taliban as her brothers. Uh, oh, or our, our brothers. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah. So so uh, that that was quite controversial. Uh, <laughs> now she is uh, she is a Muslim and, and later on she said, Oh, it's because I'm a Muslim. And it's like, well, hold on. You said 
our brothers. Who's our? Mm. You're talking about the Muslim religion. That's really painting Canadian uh, Muslim immigrants in a really, really bad light. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was not a good look for them. Um, and then uh, we had Christia Freeland, who famously uh, tweeted a video that alleged that O'Toole wants to privatize Canada's healthcare system. So with this election, there's not a whole lot of like good wedge issues. And I think what they're really trying to push is this idea that if you elect the conservatives, they're going to push for privatization. And so right after she- That is a big thing. I, I do believe in that. I do believe they would yeah. do that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, well, yeah, but so, so what happened right after she tweeted it is Twitter put a manipulated uh, video uh, warning on her tweet because the, the video that she put out was like so highly edited to make it look like he was going to, um, def you know, basically uh, turn everything over to the private sector. But that's not true. I mean, what they're proposing is is offering some more private options. Uh, you know, for example, if you have to wait three months to get an MRI, uh, you know, maybe you should have delivery options of, of medical services where you can sort of um, jump ahead and just go um, uh, go get that MRI when you need it uh, and pay money for it if you have to. Um, I think, and basically the, the liberals have doubled down on this, um, sort of insisting that, no, they're actually trying to get rid of privatized, uh, uh, sorry, public health care, um, which, like, I don't think there's any evidence for that. And in fact, they're saying just the opposite. Um, and they're, they're also, um, you know, planning on investing more money over the next 10 years into public health care. Um, so, so yeah, basically it's, it's been a messy campaign for them. They're getting a lot of publicity for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, we're still a couple weeks out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if anything changes, but as the polls are at this very moment in time, it looks like the conservatives are ahead by like one point. So it's interesting because the conservatives are a bit ahead in the polls, but the liberals still have more seats. Projected, so, projected. Yeah, projected. It's, it's, it's so, it's so tough to call. It could go yeah. either way. But before I move on to the next thing, uh, Stoops, do you have anything to chime in there? Uh, yeah, no, honestly, it's been a bit of a, um, an interesting experience, uh, you know, watching this for sure, because I, you see that, you know, O'Toole's down here, Trudeau's up here, and it just slowly, you know, he's just a little hair up here. And you're watching it in front of your own eyes, like in the media every day. Um, and just, you know, it, when you're when you're this much under a, mag, uh, a microscope in the media and during such a tight election with, with very little time to campaign, it's like everything you say has a huge impact. We can all and, agree. I don't know why we're doing this. The more I think about it, why are we doing this right now? It just <laughs> seems so. Anyway, sorry, Andrew. I just don't no, know. No, no, it's all good. I was just saying, like, yeah, every every oh, yeah. little thing you do is going to be scrutinized because the timelines are so short that you have nothing to lose. And yeah, I think it's. I think if if um, Trudeau has any more missteps or if anything else goes awry, like that, just might lock it in for O'Toole. Um, so we'll see what happens. 
Nice. Uh, my last question then for you guys is what do you think is going to happen? And whoever does get into power in whatever situation, majority or minority, most likely minority, what do you think their, their main goals are going to be? You know, they always announce what their main objectives are going to be in the platforms, but what do you think they're actually going to do? That's a wholly, whole different other question. So Alex, I'll start with you. What do you think is going to happen? And what do you hope for that party to do? Now, I know what you want, but what do you think is going to happen first? Oh, I just, I, you're trying to get me to jinx it. And I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to jinx it. It could go either way. It's, it's a, a loss like, for me either like, way, to I be think honest. I'm, 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 I'm satisfied that it has turned out to be more of a coin toss than was originally projected. Um, but it really could go either way. I think it's pretty obvious who I want to win, whether or not that'll happen. I, I have no idea and I refuse to jinx it. Um, so, but, but I think that, that if the conservatives get in again, their, their number one priority is to get the, uh, uh the economy back in yeah. good shape, to get the deficit under control, to get people working again um like that that's all music to my ears as as a fiscal conservative um i don't see a whole lot of social conservative stuff being pushed no um you know like you know things arguments like gay marriage and you know uh, abortion and stuff like that i just think the debate's closed on that yeah you know there's a lot of conservatives that would disagree with me um, that, that think, you know, you should go out and vote, vote People's Party of Canada if you truly feel that way. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go real right wing there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, exactly. the extreme. <laughs> um, yeah, Alex, I have to echo your sen sentiments. So very well put. Um, what I'd like to see is this, again, softer conservative party. So I think the years of Andrew Scheer are long gone. And I think Canadians are smarter than that. And I think the conservatives are smarter than that because I think that they know that they can reach a broader fan base if they are more progressive. And again, I'm going to go back to the fact that O'Toole did mention that he would be willing to stand in pride, again, with that condition of the cops being allowed to as well in uniform. But I think that shows that the conservatives, um, even though they may maintain a fiscal conservative policy, like they are a lot more progressive um, than they have been in the past. And I, and I, and, and it's interesting because I remember when it used to be the reform party or the alliance or whatever, and then you had the progressive conservatives. So you had like kind of a divided right um, up to 2003. And then Stephen Harper, um, along with one of his colleagues, unified all of the right-wing sort of conservative parties. And it actually made the whole thing swing a little bit more to the right because you had the alliance merging with the, with the progressives, okay? And the alliance is, is kind of like what the, the PPC is now. Um, they're, they're kind of, I wouldn't say extremists, but they're a little bit further to the right, okay? And so I'm, I'm glad that the, that the pendulum is swinging back left again. And I hope that if O'Toole does get the, opportunity to lead this country, which there's a chance he may, that he continues to, that he actually fulfills his promises of, of 
working, you know, on the economy and jobs and all that economical stuff. But at the same time, I want to make sure that he maintains a um, equitable social status in this country. Yeah, I, I just want to say that the conservatives in this election are fighting for relevance more than ever before. I think that that they're on the verge of becoming like an NDP, you know, only forty seats kind of uh, kind of party. Um, it, they're very they're in very dangerous territory of, of you know just being relegated to just one of the smaller parties. So mm -hmm. I think um, I think they are working really hard to sort of redefine the image of of the conservatives. And I I think so far from what I've heard that Peter O'Toole seems to be um, doing pretty well in on the campaign trail. So we'll see. I think uh, for this election, for me, as I've stated, it's a it's a lose lose. Obviously, I would want the NDP, but that's not going to happen. So I guess a win for me would be uh, if the Liberals uh, retained their minority and the agenda was to get that deficit down, but without trying to get rid of those social programs like the universal child uh, child care and some of the, the, the CRB, the, the EI, we didn't talk about that that much, but I feel like the conservatives would really block a lot of those things. So that would be my goal, but I'll be honest, if that happens, I won't be very excited. I won't pour a glass of wine and go, ah, looking forward to the next couple of years. <laughs> um, so it, this election, for the longest time, I've, I've felt it's a loss either way for myself. But uh, guys, before we wrap this up, do you guys have any thoughts or anything else you want to throw out about uh, this election? I'm just glad that it's uh, it's only one and a half months long uh, compared to the American election, which is like basically a year oh, and yeah. a half. Yeah, um, it's just so much easier to just get into it for a month, follow the news. We go vote and it's over. It's done. I love that. That's a good point. That is a very good point. Very good point. Um, I think just one thing closing to me, it's like, you know, let's just get people back to work. Let's do what we can to stimulate the, you know, small businesses and get people back in restaurants, back in local barber shops and nail, nail salons and get the staff back in there as well. So we can meet those demands of, 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 of the public for these services. So let's get people back to work and get the economy opened up again. No more lockdowns, no more mm -hmm. lockdowns. Let's get people back to work and out there. Amen to that. Indeed. No more yes. um, Good stuff, guys. So I just want to say in closing to our listeners out there, please go and vote. You hear that all the time. You know, Here on the Lockdown Lowdown, obviously, we all have different political views. We have different political backgrounds, but we're still friends. We can still have a healthy debate. Uh, if you don't go out and vote and make your voice heard, you have no right to complain about anything if things aren't going your way because you did not fight in this democracy to have a better way of life. I don't care if you are voting for the people's choice or the, the people's party, not the people's choice. <laughs> the people's choice. That's a magazine, I think, or something. No, it's the People's Choice Awards. You know, that's best, best music video by Stephen Harper. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, make an informed vote, though. At least, at least, you know, check out the website of each party before you go vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I guess. Yes. Just vote, (laughs) please. I guess. (laughs) Anyway. All right. All righty, guys. That was another exciting episode of the Lockdown Lowdown. Again, please go and vote. Thank you so much for your support. Check out the Facebook page, and we will see you all next time. Have a good one.